Welcome to Nighttime. I'm Dave Wager, your host, and for the next half hour, hopefully we can quietly talk about some interesting issues. It's important that you hear from God, not from me. I say that every time, almost. But that's really the goal of the Nighttime podcast. It's to get us to be a quiet and reflective and when it goes off to just sit and think maybe sip that coffee or tea or just sit and look out the window and think about life or perhaps you're trying to use this to go to sleep and you haven't heard a word I've said because as soon as you heard the music you went to sleep either way I'm glad you decided to listen so that you can ponder, hopefully, the things of God. My name again is Dave Wager. I'm here in the studios at Silver Birch Ranch on the campus of the Nicolay Bible Institute. During this season, Christmas season, I usually think about the Christmas story quite a bit. You have to. You see lights and hear songs everywhere. Some of the songs are not overly about Christmas. Some of them are. It's an incredible story that God came into this world so that you and I could live with him forever. That he paid the price for our sin. It's amazing when you think about how the King of Kings and the creator and sustainer of all life came to be born of Mary and there was nowhere for him to be born. So he had to be born among animals. And the very first people that got told about this were shepherds. Mary and Joseph, a couple nobodies. The shepherds were nobodies. Well, John the Baptist told it ahead of time, but he was a man that many considered crazy. Not only that, his parents, Elizabeth and Zechariah, were nothings. I think there's a pattern of God using people that are well, nothing. Because really, we are nothing. When I die one day, my body goes right back to the dirt that everyone else's body goes to. Apart from God inhabiting me, apart from God doing something with this physical body, it is nothing. Seems like people today struggle with depression and anxiety and anger more than ever. Well, if you're not in tune with what God's done for you if you have never taken the gift that God gives to us in his son Jesus Christ then there's no way to be okay in life because life isn't really about the moment it's about eternity life is about a bunch of moments gathering together a bunch of moments adding up and ending up in eternity well I kept thinking of those characters in that first Christmas and it came up with a title called The Cast of No One. And it's more than a story. So often I refer to the Christmas story. As soon as I do that, I hope people realize this isn't Aesop Fables. This isn't somebody that's a clever writer. This is more than a story. It's the history of the love of God shown through Jesus Christ, born of the Virgin Mary. Well, this was a significant thing that was going to happen, and the angels were certainly going to announce it. And it was miraculous. So miraculous that there was going to be a forerunner to even talk about it. 
And the forerunner came as a child to Elizabeth and to Zechariah the priest. But who was Elizabeth? Who was Zechariah? In Luke 1, 5 to 7, we're told that John the Baptist would foretell about Jesus coming. In the days of Herod, king of Judah, there was a priest named Zechariah, one of the divisions of Abiah. And he had a wife from daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. I want to read that sentence again. Verse 6 of Luke 1. And they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. I pause there for a second because I think I can do that. I can be the same as Elizabeth and Zechariah. I can do that. And that's what matters to God. It doesn't matter how tall I am, how strong I am, how healthy I am. It doesn't matter how much money I have, what country I'm a part of. It matters whether I listen to God or not. Do you know that we nobodies can be somebody as we listen to God? Not because we are ever necessary for the job, but because God chooses to use us in his work. Verse 7 goes on to say, But they had no child, because Elizabeth was barren, and both were advanced in years. Crosswalk.com says this about this passage. Elizabeth likely grew up with a wealth of scriptural knowledge that would have been exposed to even more teaching as the wife of Zechariah. We know from earlier in the chapter that she and Zechariah were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. But they had no child, because Elizabeth was barren and both were advanced in years. What a beautiful but sad testimony about this couple. They were faithful to God, and like every family in that day, they had likely longed for children, just one child even. And yet at the time of opening of this gospel, they would have resigned themselves to having none. Have you ever prayed for something long and just didn't happen? We have to realize that God's got a plan in our lives, and if we pray in accordance with his will, he'll answer. We ask him to do something outside his will, we don't even want him to answer because then he's doing something that's not good for us. I'm sure they prayed for a child over and over again, because in this particular time, if you were married and you were childless, they considered that a curse from God. Now, again, that wasn't necessarily a curse from God, but, again, public opinion is what it is. Crosswalk goes on to say, to bear up for years as a barren woman in those days would have been a trial that might have defined her life. It was the duty and calling of women to provide their husbands with children, especially a son. There was no doubt, long years of praying, trying, waiting, and hoping. But now those days were past. Still, God had a surprise plan for Elizabeth, one he announced to Zechariah by an angel while Zechariah was serving in the Holy of Holies. Miraculously, like Abraham and Sarah, they would be blessed with a son, even now when Elizabeth was past prime childbearing years. 
Zechariah was a priest and he was doing what he always did. He did what he needed to do. And while he was in the ordinary, God met him and talked about the extraordinary. I think you and I need to understand there is no ordinary if you're following God. God is setting things up all the time for people to know who he is. Whatever your normal work is today, you get to do it as unto God's glory. You get to do it in a way that shows the world who God is. That's an important thing to be able to do. Perhaps God will speak to your heart today as you're in his word, as you're doing your job. Perhaps he has a message for you today. He did for Zechariah. Elizabeth was somebody who was just a normal person, who was dedicated to following God and listening to God and no doubt poured her heart out to God. And God saw something in her. Like Abraham and Sarah, he was going to open her womb and give her a child. Zechariah, he was probably a nobody too. He was just born into a priest family. When people ask me how I got my position here at Silver Birch Ranch, I usually tell them, well, my dad founded the camp. He had the vision for it. He put me in the place I'm in, and then he died unexpectedly. I'm not sure I'd be in this position if my dad wouldn't have assigned me to it. You say, well, come on, Dave, you've got other qualifications. Actually, not really. I was a school teacher. I could teach school. I could teach fifth graders how to read and do math. But to take on a whole nonprofit ministry and make the final decisions is not, not a good spot for somebody who's just a school teacher. I got the position because of my family. I got the position because of my dad, not because I was qualified. Those of us who are honest often know that that's the case. We have what we have not because of our ability or because of our talent. We've been entrusted with something from generations possibly long ago. Well, Zachariah, he was in the right family, so he became a priest. Now, whether he's a good priest or a bad priest, that's going to be up to him. And we've already seen that he was one who walked with God and Listen to him. The same passage, verses 5 to 7 in Luke 1, says, In the days Herod, king of Judah, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abiah. And he and his wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. But they had no child, because Elizabeth was barren, and both were advanced in years. Once again, Crosswalk.com says, She and Zechariah were both Levites of the house of Aaron. Zacharias was a priest, Elizabeth, the daughter of Aaron. Their lineage was rich with spiritual history. In Malachi 2.7, we're told that the Levites were called to special responsibilities regarding teaching. For the lips of a priest should guard knowledge, and people should seek instruction from his mouth. For he is a messenger of the Lord of hosts. Zechariah was somebody who had some accomplishments, I'm sure. I'm not sure how they rewarded faithful priests, but God does. 
Zacharias served God devoutly in the temple. He obeyed God as the angel instructed him. As John the Baptist's father, he raised his son as a Nazarite, a holy man pledged to the Lord. And Zechariah no doubt contributed in his way to the plan that God had for save the world from sin. There's no doubt that he was a holy and upright man. He kept God's commandments. And once again, I look at that and I think, God, if that's what you ask of me in order to use me, I can do that. And so can you. His weaknesses, like anybody else, you remember when he was told about a son that was going to come. He didn't believe it. He doubted God. I think in all of our lives, there's something out there that is so big that if God told us he wanted us to be involved in it, we would probably doubt him. We should never doubt God, no matter how big it is, no matter how impossible, no matter how many years we've prayed for something and it hasn't happened. We should never doubt God because there's nothing impossible with God. But Zechariah was human. I think we can learn that God can work in our lives in spite of any circumstances, in spite of anything that looks hopeless, because he's always in charge. Faith is a quality God values highly. We know that from Hebrews 11.6. Elizabeth, Zechariah had faith, and God blessed them with John the Baptist, and they are forever talked about as the parents of John the Baptist. You think of another nobody in the story of Christmas, Mary. It's amazing how God highlights some of the ladies in Scripture and what they did and what they were about. Mary was one who did what she should do. God chose her to be the mother of his son. Luke 1, 26 and 27. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. What made her qualified? The Bible doesn't speak much about her before. Just that there would be a virgin. That alone could make her qualified. She listened to God in that area of her life. Once again, Christianity.com says this, Mary was actually called Miriam after the sisters of Moses. Why do we call her Mary? Miriam is Hebrew, while Mary is a New Testament blend of the two Greek names, Miriam and Maria. Both Miriam and Mary guarded God's chosen leaders during infancy as worldly authorities sought to have them killed. After Pharaoh ordered that every Hebrew boy be thrown into the Nile, Miriam watched over her brother, where he was hidden among some reeds, and went to fetch a nurse, their mother, for Pharaoh's daughter. Mary and Joseph protected Jesus from another jealous king, Herod the Great. One meaning for Miriam, Mary, is wished for child, and both women certainly cared for important children whose safety was under threat from murderous authorities. Miriam's name belongs to a family of words which suggest bitterness, because as an older woman, 
she was bitter toward Moses. There is no hint of jealousy or bitterness in Mary, the mother of Jesus. She seemed to be worshipful and faithful and courageous. But who was this Mary? I don't know, but I enjoy the picture of where her name came from. The picture of a faithful steward over a young child. And that's what God wanted. God chose somebody who was, no doubt, faithful to him. Who knew him, who could trust him. And, and you look at the story of Mary and how she responded. She continually pondered things, trying to put them in the right perspective so she could understand one day how and what God was doing. The only thing she doubted was how she would ever become pregnant as a virgin. And I'm not sure she doubted it. She asked about it because it seemed like the logical question to ask. And God answered her, and that was sufficient. Mary was a ponderer. Perhaps God enjoys it when you and I sit and we think about things that are bigger than we are. What about Joseph? Who was he? He seemed to be a nobody as well. In Luke 1, 26 and 27, again, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. You know, those who knew Jesus Christ's family were familiar with his mother, brothers, and sisters but don't seem to be acquainted with his father other than recognizing his occupation. You know, based on the, the best textual evidence, Jesus' younger brother, half-brothers, were named Jacob, Joseph, Simon, and Judah, indicating that Joseph and Mary named one of their sons after Joseph. The New Testament really makes it clear that Joseph was a carpenter or a builder. We don't have much else. He certainly was an honorable man, a kind man. When he didn't understand what was happening, he didn't have any desire to hurt Mary. Some have talked about Joseph as being one who was older and who was married before and, and perhaps had children from another marriage. I'm not sure. We don't read that. We do know that Joseph was an honorable man who loved and trusted God and was going to take care of Mary. And he positioned himself so that God would use him in this most wonderful moment in all of history. What we don't know is how long Joseph lasted on this earth. He seems to disappear from the pages of Scripture. He seems to be irrelevant, someone that causes Mary perhaps to be a single mom throughout her life. Not really sure. Perhaps it was so hard to be the earthly presence and father of Jesus that drove him nuts. I don't think that's really what happened. People didn't live as long back then, and it could be that if Joseph was older before he married Mary, that his time came and he died. For some reason, the Bible's silent on it. But I look at Joseph as a normal carpenter, builder, 
who was honorable, who took care of his wife and family, took care of his fiance at this point in family. And he lived in a way where God wanted to use him to be this part in history. Once again, those who have been used by God have been faithful to God. They listen to him. They want to hear what he says. And God, knowing their hearts, used them in significant ways. I need to walk with God and love him. That's the most important thing I can do in life. I don't need to be talented or have an exuberant amount of energy. I don't need to be overly skilled at anything. I don't need to be rich. I don't need to be famous. I need to be faithful. And if I'm faithful, this nobody that I am becomes somebody in Christ. Oh, there's more to the story. For some reason, when Jesus was born, he decided to announce it to shepherds. Shepherds of all people. Who knows what these shepherds were? Who knows how old they were? We don't know their names. They're young people that were thrown out with the sheep and told to watch over them. We don't know what they were involved in. In Luke 2, 8 to 14, it says, And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find the baby wrapped in swaddling cloth and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he's pleased. Let me read that passage again in the Weiss translation, which gives us a little different understanding of what happened with the shepherds. Luke 2, starting with verse 8. And there were shepherds in that very region, bivouacking in the fields under the open sky and guarding their flock during the appointed night watches. And an angel of the Lord took his stand at the side, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they feared a great fear. And the angel said to them, Stop being afraid, for behold, I am bringing you good tidings of great joy, which joy is of such a nature that it shall pertain to all people, because there was born to you today a Savior who is Christ the Lord in the city of David. And this shall be an unusual and distinguishing token of identification for you. You shall find a newborn infant which has been wrapped in cloth bands and is lying in a feeding trough. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of army of heaven praising God and saying, Glory in the highest places to God and upon earth peace among men of good will. And it came to pass, when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds kept saying to one another, Let us go at once, even to Bethlehem, and let's see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord made known to us. And they came 
Having hastened and after searching, they located not only Mary and Joseph, but also the newborn infant lying in a feeding trough. And having seen this, they made known concerning the word which was spoken to them about this little child. And all those who heard marveled concerning the things that were spoken by the shepherds to them. But Mary kept on continually guarding all these words in her heart and bringing them together for the purpose of considering them in their total import. I find it interesting that these nobody shepherds kept talking about whether they should go check this new baby out or not. When you get the original language, you see in verse 15, it came to pass that when the angels went away to heaven, the shepherds kept on saying, they didn't say it once, they kept on saying to one another, let's go at once. There must have been some discussion between them. I imagine that angels showing themselves and singing glory to God in the highest is not a normal occurrence for a shepherd. Here were a bunch of nobodies, maybe the lowest ring on the societal ladder. Who would believe them? Who would believe a bunch of dirty shepherds who would tell them that they saw angels sing to them with the sheep? I can imagine that some were saying, let's go check this out, while others were saying, people already don't like us. Do you want to give them more fuel for calling us names and making fun of us? Can you imagine if we go back and we tell people that we saw angels they told us that the Messiah was born and he was wrapped in cloth and that he's in a manger somewhere? But they kept on saying to one another. Eventually, those who were curious prevailed. And these shepherds got to go and join the animals in seeing Jesus right after he was born. For some reason, God allowed some animals to see Jesus very first. They aren't people. They're animals. It's interesting. God used donkeys to speak for him. He used donkeys to ride. And when Jesus was born, there were a bunch of nothing animals. Mangers during the time of Jesus were common structures found in Middle Eastern regions. They were primarily used as feeding troughs for livestock, typically made of stone or wood. They were located either within a household's courtyard adjacent to homes or in caves. These troughs were essential for families who depended on agriculture and livestock for their livelihood. The climate, the geography of the region played a role in where the placement of these mangers would be. With varying temperatures, it was crucial to provide shelter for animals, protecting them from extreme weather conditions. You know, as a result, many mangers were situated inside caves or stable-like structures offering natural insulation. Given the agricultural nature of societies in this era, it really wasn't uncommon for families to share spaces with their animals, especially during colder months. This cohabitation allowed for easier care and feeding of the livestock and ensured their well-being. The presence of a manger in such settings indicates the importance of animals in the everyday life of the individual. I find it interesting that we might think that it's totally inappropriate to be with animals and give birth in a stable. And perhaps it was back then too. 
but they did live a little differently. And obviously, if this was a manger that was in a place where people stayed with animals, it could be a little different structure than we actually picture. But what's amazing to me is it's still in the middle of nowhere with a bunch of nobodies. Those who saw the birth of Jesus very first, Mary and Joseph and a bunch of animals. And then there came some shepherds, normal people, normal people listening to God, perhaps normal animals listening to God. I don't know what goes on in their brain. I do know that God loves normal people. And this Christmas season, I invite you to be one of those normal people that listen to God, that know Him and passionately obey Him and want to show the world who He is through your life, through your legacy, through your death. Those are the people He uses. If you're trying to do this thing apart from God, this thing called life, you can't do it. That's why Jesus got sent into the world. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. Jesus is the gift and the reason for the season. I hope that gift is yours. I'm Dave Wager here in the studios at Silver Birch Ranch on the campus of the Nicolet Bible Institute. Enjoy God this Christmas season. Enjoy the gift that he gave you. Good night for now.